My name is Sophia Bryan. I'm an estate planning law firm owner and financial advisor based in Kingston, Jamaica. My mission as the host of the first Driven Woman podcast is to create a platform where women can, one, own without apology that they are the architects of their reality, two, engage in high-level conversations that support their growth in their career, business, and personal life. And to three, be inspired to define and refine their own markers of success. Get ready for another life-changing episode. Hey, Driven Woman, I have another amazing guest for you today. Uh, She is a copywriter with 15 plus years of experience writing for multi-billion dollar companies, solopreneurs, and every size business is in between. She also coaches people to become professional copywriters and build thriving careers of their own via her website, Filthy Rich Writer. I love that. (laughs) And her comprehensive copywriting academy. For her being, Filthy Rich means having a job you love, being good at what you do, and making great money doing it. Driven Woman, please make welcome Nikki Krawczyk. Did I do a good job? <laughs> you did a great job. <laughs> Yay. Yay. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, is your name, is it European? It's uh, it's Polish, but I have okay. a couple of different European backgrounds in me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. I'm sure the Polish people would not pronounce it Krozik. I'm sure we're all <laughs> saying it wrong. <laughs> right. My name is pretty simple, Brian. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so happy. My dad actually named me and I'm so happy that he had the foresight to know that, okay, one day she'll be an adult. So let me give her a name. Yes. It's cute as a child, but we'll still be grown up. So I'm thankful for that. It's right. very <laughs> smart. It's very smart. I know sometimes you you hear people what people name their kids and you think, mm, that's a good idea while they're a toddler, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, as an adult, mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nikki, I um I've always been fascinated with the area of copywriting. Um I'm, I'm based in Jamaica, the Caribbean, and it hasn't caught on as much as I'd want it to. The freelance scene has definitely, you know, taken off. A lot of, um, a lot of freelancers are joining, joining different platforms like Upwork, etc. But I, I really want this episode to communicate to persons that, hey, this is actually a viable career option for you and not just something you do on the side. You can actually take it um, as a full-time career path. So I'm oh, really absolutely. Excited, yeah. So I'm really mm-hmm. excited to hear your insights in that regard. So, um, you know, we all have different stories, but I'd love to know what your childhood was like and how, if, if in any way, did it influence the work that you're doing today? Yeah, actually, um, my, it's kind of funny because I'm kind of an interesting blend of, of both my mom and my dad's work experience. Mm, okay. uh, so I grew up in Wisconsin. Um, I'm in Massachusetts now, but my family's still back in Wisconsin. And my dad has always been in marketing. So he was uh, a marketing director pretty much throughout my childhood. And my mom is an interior designer, or mm. she's retired now, so she was an interior designer. And for a long time, she was freelance. She owned her own business 
business. So I had the, the marketing side and learned a lot from my dad. And actually it was really kind of he who got me started in copywriting. But then on the other hand, I had that, uh, that kind of entrepreneurial side from my mom, that willingness to go out there and find your clients and work for yourself. So it was a really, really helpful for where I am now. Nice, nice. Question. Did you watch Mad Men? Did you ever get into mm-hmm. that series? Okay. <laughs> so mm-hmm, my, absolutely. So watching that show is one of my favorite shows, actually. So watching that, um, the idea of a copywriter, you know, it's very glamorous lifestyle <laughs> and you're paid load of loads of money to just um create an ad, but I'm sure it's much more than that. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, it Believe me, it can be very glamorous, I suppose. Um, and yeah, there are plenty of copywriters who work for, like on Mad Men, who work for um, cool advertising agencies, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I mean, copywriting is writing that is designed to persuade or to sell mm-hmm. so that any writing anybody sees that's on an ad, yes, but also on emails, uh, on websites, on um, on banner ads, mm-hmm. on billboards, on packaging, all of that is copy. So there's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, people can work at uh, at a cool ad agency or marketing agency, uh, or they can work uh, at an in-house creative team. You know, a lot of brands have creative teams of their own, mm-hmm. um, which can also be a lot of fun. And then of course, uh, people can also freelance at it, whether they mm-hmm. want to do that full time or whether they kind of want to do it. Um, like you said, as as a side hustle, so to speak. Mm, yeah. Did you actually study um, copywriting or or it was just a passion that developed over time? No, you know, that's the funny thing is I'm not aware of anywhere that you can major in copywriting, mm, okay. um, which is it's it's confusing to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also as a business owner who teaches yeah. people to write copy, it works <laughs> out very well for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, actually, the way I got into it is, um, like I said, my dad was a marketing director. And when I was in high school, uh, so, you know, a, a billion years ago, but when I was in high school, my dad would bring home extra work for me to do extra copy to write. And then he would give me feedback on it. Um, and I went to school for public relations, discovered I didn't like public relations. It's a great career for some, just not for me. Um, and then worked at a health club for a while and just wasn't feeling, wasn't feeling fulfilled. Wasn't feeling like I was using my gifts to the best of my ability. And, um, so actually for a while I was teaching Pilates, I was teaching aqua aerobics, I was teaching spinning, you know, just to pay the bills. And, but I was depressed because I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. And, um, my mom actually sent me a book and it was called something like, something like the six figure writer or something Mm -hmm. like that. And it actually was (laughs) the book itself was not very helpful. It said things like (laughs) buy a fax machine, you know, get a separate landline. Yeah. It was very silly, but the great thing about it was that it was about copywriting and it reminded me uh, that copywriting could be, could be a career. And from there I thought, Oh yes, this is what I want to do. And I started building up my freelance base and building up my experience and, and all of that. Nice. Nice. So do you actually do copywriting specifically for different projects or are you primarily now coaching other copywriters? 
I'm still copywriting. I absolutely Ooh. still am. I don't take a lot of clients. It's true. Cause now that I am teaching people to build their careers, I have a lot less time to write copy. Um, but yeah, I'm absolutely still, still taking class. Cause the thing is, is it's, it's fun. Part of the reason that I teach people to do it is because as someone who has loved to write and who always thought that you couldn't make any money as a writer, mm -hmm. um, to discover copywriting where you can get paid very well and you can, ha you have that creative outlet, but you also have this, this kind of strategic outlet. It's, it's almost like solving puzzles every day. Um, I love it. You know, I teach it because I want other people to, to experience how much fun it can be. So yeah, no, I don't think I'm ever going to give it up uh, completely, no matter how, how busy our businesses get. Nice. Nice. Um, so you are interestingly against niching down for new copywriters. Why mm -hmm. is that? Yes, I know. A lot of people, in fact, I was just like listening to a podcast today where somebody said, the riches are in the niches and <laughs> it's so cute, but just because it rhymes doesn't mean it's true. Um, the problem is when you are brand new to copywriting, you don't know enough yeah. about the industry and about the, the potential out there, the opportunities to possibly choose what kind of industry you want to do or what kind of copywriting you can't possibly know. And you also don't know, you might pick something where there isn't a big enough market to support yeah. you or where they don't work with new copywriters, or you might pick something and get really focused on it and discover you don't like it all that much mm -hmm. after you're in it for a while, or you may discover there's something else you want to do. And the problem is, is that when you choose a niche and you, you know, you, you focus your website on it and you focus all your pitching on it. If someone else from another industry comes to your website and takes a look at your portfolio, they're going to look at you and say, Oh, all right, well, you know, she doesn't have experience in, in this industry and she's never done any work in this industry, in my industry. So she's probably not interested in working with me. And so they're not going to get in touch with you, even though you might want that work. So at the beginning, when copywriters are just getting started, the most important thing is to really develop a depth and breadth of experience, mm -hmm. you know, writing for different kinds of industries and in different kinds of voices and for different kinds of projects to show that you are flexible and that you can write for different kinds of clients. And that's part of what makes a copywriter very valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I share your sentiments even within my own field, the legal profession, because um, for a long time, I did a lot of conveyancing and that's buying and selling of real estate. Mm -hmm. However, um, I've also done a lot of work with different business persons, like helping them with contracts and incorporation, et cetera. And so I really like conveyancing. I really like real estate, but I'm not necessarily getting a lot of work in that area. And so, mm -hmm. you know, as much as I desire to do more in that area, it's really where the money is at the moment and where mm -hmm. um, I can get the most experience. And so I definitely think that's solid advice. Starting mm -hmm. out, I'd say, I'd say starting out would be like one to three years. Would you go beyond that to say you're start, starting out? Absolutely. I think, yeah, one to three years is, is a good area, but I will say, you know, you, you may never, or copywriters may never need to choose a niche. Mm. I never have. Yeah. I like to work with a variety of different kinds of clients. Mm -hmm. And frankly, my clients like that. I have a variety of different types of experience because then mm -hmm. I bring more to the table. I know what's going on in other industries and what other industries are doing. And that's valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had an experience. Well, not 
me personally, but the organization that I work with as a nine to five job. So we are working on some things for social media and um, the company that we got to do the work said that, oh, we're copywriters. (laughs) Mm. And um, I really don't think they took, took it as seriously as we would have wanted them to. And so I find, and then we, we, we brought it to another person who actually specialized in that along with other areas and they did a far better job. And mm-hmm. so um, how, do you find that a lot of people do not fully understand what it means to be a copywriter? It's, it's like a, almost like a catchphrase right now. Do you find that that's happening? And how do people who actually are gifted in the air, who actually practice their craft, what can they do to communicate that they're serious about their work? Absolutely. I wish you could see me right now. I'm nodding so, <laughs> so much. Um, yeah. The thing about copywriting is that, um, not even the thing about copywriting, but a lot of people don't understand what copywriting is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, so there's copy, and, which is writing that's designed to, to persuade or to sell. And there's content, which is writing that's designed to educate, to inspire, to, yeah. um, to, to inform and to entertain. Um, and those are two very different things, two very different purposes. And the problem is, is that the, the bar to entry with content is very low, which is part of the reason why most content writers don't get paid very well because it's easy to get into the field and, um, um, and there's just a lot of people yeah. flooding, flooding that content market yeah. as copywriting really requires training and requires mm-hmm. expertise. And that's also, by the way, part of the reason that copywriters get paid so much more yeah. than content writers. I mean, now copywriters will sometimes do a content project for a client if they, if the client wants them to, um, but it's really two very not very different fields, but two different, two different areas. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately there are some people who will, who have no copywriting training, who really only have content training and don't understand the two and will say, yes, I'm a copywriter. I'm a copywriter. And then you look at their portfolio and it's just filled with content and you mm-hmm. know that they don't actually understand what copywriting yeah, is, yeah, yeah. but you know, it's, it's those people, the people who don't know the difference that I most often hear from when they say things like, Oh, copy is hard to get into, or it's so hard to make a living as a copywriter. Yeah. Well, you're not actually a copywriter. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't, if you, you try to sell something that you don't know how to do, then yeah, you're going to have a exactly. really hard time. But um, for those who are, who are trained in it and who to the second part of your question, people who are trained in copy and who have developed a portfolio that even newer copywriters develop a portfolio. It's part of what we teach, mm-hmm. develop a portfolio that demonstrates your skill in copy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really sets you apart apart from all these other, um, people who kind of put it, how to put it nicely, just kind of play at copywriting, you know? Yeah. I like how you put it that way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Um, so what about sites like Upwork, um, all the freelance sites, what are, what's your take on using those platforms for work? 
Yeah. So I know it seems like it seems like they're so perfect. It's Mm -hmm. people posting copywriting jobs. And as a copywriter, all you have to do is go and just choose a job and apply and you're good. And unfortunately, that's just not how it works in real life. Mm. You know, when someone posts a job on a site like Upwork or freelance or something like that, first of all, the first thing that you have to do is to prepare a proposal and you're a Mm. copywriter. So that had better be a really good proposal. So you're putting in a lot of time there to begin with. And then another part of the problem is that you are competing against any number of of other copywriters, which means that naturally they're going to drive each other's prices down. So Mm -hmm. if you want to be competitive, you have to be offering a lower rate than you would normally charge. And so you're already putting in a lot of effort up front for maybe an opportunity to do work. And if you get the work, you're going to be doing it for a lot less than you should be making. So instead of spending time getting work at a a nice high rate, you are spending time that maybe will get you work, maybe it won't. And even if it does get you work, it gets it at a low rate. It's when you're on a site like Upwork or Fiverr or any of those, the ratio is all wrong for you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one project and 25 or 30 or 40 copywriters competing for it. Whereas the better way to do it is to actually be in control of the opportunities and to be out there looking for clients and pitching clients. And that way it's one copywriter and Mm. any number of opportunities. Right. Right. Okay. So, um, filthy rich. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so interestingly, I was, uh, I had workshops today and, um, my boss, who <laughs> I hope doesn't listen to this episode, <laughs> um, there she took a few jabs at quote unquote rich people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think she's poor, right? Mm-hmm. But she mm-hmm. took quite a few jabs at rich people, and I felt extremely uneasy about it because I'm like, why do we do that so readily? And so I really want to know how or how or what did it take for you to get to the point where you are extremely comfortable about money, extremely comfortable with the word, the word rich and not mm-hmm. having any guilt associated with high, um, having a high earning career. Mm-hmm. Like talk to us about what it took for you to get there. Absolutely. Well, you know, the, the, the term filthy rich writer, it definitely, it is definitely polarizing. Some people really hate it. Like your boss, it sounds like would really hate it, but (laughs) she would really hate it. Um, but what I was really trying to convey, um, like you said, the, the idea of being, of being rich, of having a rich life, of, I mean, mm-hmm. enjoying what you do and being valued for it and being paid well for it. I mean, that's a great thing. Um, but beyond that, I called it Filthy Rich Writer because so many people who love writing mm-hmm. grew up thinking that you can't make money yeah. as a writer. I mean, I did. And I was helping my dad copyright in high school. Mm-hmm. But I always thought, you know, if you're not Stephen King or J.K. Rowling, you can't make any money as a novelist. Mm. And unfortunately, journalists don't make any money and people who just write blog posts don't make Mm. any money. Um, But so I, I wrote, I called it filthy rich writer because I wanted to catch people's attention and really make them go, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Is that filthy rich writer? Is that Mm. actually a, a thing? Yeah. Because I wanted to, I wanted to stop them in their tracks and really make them 
examine that belief because yes, unfortunately it's true that a lot of people can't make money as a, as a writer, Mm -hmm. but copywriters are very valued by the clients we write for. And as such are paid well by the clients we write for. And that's part of why, you know, I don't have any any guilt or any qualms about, yeah. about the rates I charge. And I wouldn't, I frankly, I wouldn't say my rates are exceptionally high by any means, mm-hmm. um, despite my years of experience, but, uh, and I don't have any qualms about my students, you know, going out into the world, because the thing is we provide a very valuable service. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the, if fundamentally what copywriting is, is you have a target audience that has a want or a need, and you have a, a company or an organization, doesn't have to be a for-profit company, but an organization that has the solution to that want or that yeah. need. And as copywriters, we make a connection between the two by writing copy that resonates with the target audience that makes them go, oh my gosh, that's it. That's what I've been looking for. That's the solution. That's what I want. And when we do that well, that generates results for our clients. And that helps our clients. You know, this past year has been so crazy for so many businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and every once in a while, one of our students would post in our, our student only Facebook group, um, which is just a fantastic group of people. Uh, but they would post, you know, they would say, oh, well, I'm, I'm nervous about pitching. I'm, I'm afraid to pitch. Things are so crazy out there. I don't want to make anybody, any business owners feel bad or anything like that. And I would say, look, don't, first of all, don't, you're not begging people to give mm-hmm. you work. That's not at all. That's certainly not the way that we teach our students to pitch. You are going out there and saying, Hey, look, I have an idea for how your business could grow. If you want help with that, mm-hmm. let me know. You yes. are providing a service and you are helping businesses. And to, you know, to the, the, there's so many businesses this past year who found themselves in this place that they didn't know how to navigate. Exactly. And a copywriter could come in and say, Hey, look, I, I can show you how to do this. I can, if you've never, if you're having to transition to doing more online stuff, I can help you with that. Or I can, you know, it, it, write your messaging for whatever, what have you, but yeah. it's, it's a, it is a service. We work with people as partners and we help them build their businesses. Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. um, it's, it, frankly, it's the kind of job that you do and you feel good about yourself at the end of the day, you know, making that connection is key. Yeah. I'm just listening and loving the language that you're using. And (laughs) clearly it's a testament to the work that you do. You're like, it's a relationship. It's a partnership. Um, we're offering a service. There's value there. And I think that um, all the business owners that are going to be listening to this um, episode will get a lot of value from that. Just how to shift your attitude around business, because there are a lot of people who, you know, you know, they're wondering, should I really be making money right now? Closing? People are getting laid off. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that doesn't have to be your reality. Like the fact that you are able to earn an income, it you shouldn't feel guilty about it because there is somebody else who is not earning an income, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. I forget what the phrase is, but it's something like, you know, you being poor doesn't help other people not be poor, mm-hmm. you know, or you struggling doesn't help other people who are struggling. Exactly, exactly. But if you are 16, 
<clears throat> excuse me, if you are succeeding, you might be able to help other people, you know, right. even if you can't, if you're making money, even if you can't directly impact someone, uh, maybe you can donate, maybe you mm -hmm. can help out. Maybe you have more resources, right. more, more time, right. exactly. but yeah, you, you struggling mm -hmm. doesn't benefit anybody. Mm -hmm. Whereas you succeeding and thriving, and especially as copywriters, helping businesses thrive, mm -hmm. that is beneficial to the world. Why would we hold ourselves down? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm even thinking right now about, um, you know, as entrepreneurs just starting out, sometimes we have to take on that load. We have to be copywriters. We have to be everything initially. Um, and I was struggling to put together the right words for a Google ad. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> it was so painstaking. Like, what are the right words? I know what I do, but how do I communicate it? And how do I not come off as spammy or whatever? And mm -hmm. so I, I know firsthand that a copywriter, having a copywriter on standby would be extremely valuable for me. And so there's so much value there. You know, your job is important and um, mm -hmm. you're actually helping other people to generate revenue. So, mm -hmm. you know, if there's anybody that writes that has any guilt around that, like, no, you're actually helping a lot <laughs> at this point in time. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Are, are there any mindset books that you'd recommend around the issue of money or just around the issue of well, life in general and how to, to, to just live out, you know? Yeah, I think um, it's, it's a short one, but it's very powerful. It's called The War of Art by Stephen mm. Pressfield. Mm -hmm. okay. um, and it talks about how whenever you do anything that gets you outside of your comfort zone, yeah. you, your brain kicks up this wall of resistance mm -hmm. and it's very insidious and it's very tricky. And it's one purpose is to pull you back into your comfort zone. So you're like sitting on your sofa eating Cheetos, watching Netflix and doing nothing else. But the thing is, is that everything that we want in life is outside of that comfort zone. And he also says that one of the things that, that you can know for sure is when you start moving in a direction and it kicks up your resistance, then you should, you know, that that's the direction you should be moving in. Like a, it, I think he says something like a, about it, it being a compass needle pointing North when your resistance really kicks up, that's probably what you should be doing. So you have to really move past it. And it's, it's a really, it's a super short book, really, really short. Yeah. Um, but so worthwhile. Mm -hmm. I've heard that recommendation before. And I, <laughs> this is a prompt to actually get into it. Yes, um, you have to read it. <laughs> all right. So as it relates to um, your journey into entrepreneurship, being a business owner, what were some of the early challenges that you had and how did you overcome them? Well, I suppose probably like every business owner, I had no idea what I was doing when I got it started. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> you know, I think every single person. So if anybody is, is brand new to entrepreneurship, that's listening, everybody starts in the same place. And that place is not having any idea what you're doing and thinking it's going to be so like other people struggle, but it's going to be so much easier for me. Mm -hmm. um, no, I mean, I started my business eight years ago um, and my, my, teaching business, my copy, copy career, teaching, uh, yeah. coaching business. And, um, 
and yeah, I mean, I put together a course and I put together a course based on what I would have wanted when I was, was getting started as a copywriter and really beyond that. Cause it's a very, I mean, we don't call it comprehensive for nothing. Um, but you know, it, I didn't know how to get traffic. I didn't know how to, um, I didn't know what my, what my metrics needed to be. I didn't, you know, and, and quite frankly, for a lot of years, I didn't, the funny thing is, is I was, I was helping people. I was, people were building careers and it was amazing, but I never up until probably about two, two and a half years ago, I didn't take it really seriously as a business. Mm -hmm. And when I took it seriously as a business and myself as a business owner, seriously, that was really when things started to change. You know, it was, um, I I remember sitting and talking to someone and saying, well, I'm putting in $10 in Facebook ads every day. Why aren't I seeing results? (laughs) You know, but I, I was, it's so easy to throw away money on ads. Right. But, um, but I, you know, was throwing money at, at Facebook ads, but I didn't understand my numbers. I never went through and understood, okay, how much do I actually have to spend in order to acquire a subscriber in order to then make a sale? What, what are, what are the percentages? What am I converting at? What is, and I know all that sounds scary to people who are brand yeah. new to it, but it's actually not when you sit down and you can hire someone to show you the numbers, to spend an hour with you and show you the numbers. Everything is so much clearer. And when I think back to, to my quote unquote, Facebook ad spend back then, if you can even really call it that, it was just guessing, you know, it, once I was, once I, I saw myself as the CEO of my business and took myself seriously and took my business seriously, I think back and then I think if, if that person, me, if that person had been working for me and that's what she was doing, I would have fired her. Mm-hmm. She had no idea what she was doing and she didn't even try to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's really that was when things really turned around for me. And I'm very fortunate that, um, you know, I was working on my business while I was, uh, there were some years where I was on staff, lots of years where I was free. I mean, I've always been freelancing, but some years mm-hmm. freelancing full-time. Um, and it mattered enough to me that I, I stuck with it. It mattered enough that I was helping people build careers, successful mm-hmm. careers. But as an entrepreneur, it wasn't until I started to really take myself seriously and hold myself and my business to a higher standard. Mm-hmm. That was when things really, really started to take off. Wow. Profound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, thank you for being open with that. Um, I can reflect on some of the things that I did early on. I'm like, oh, I'm always oh, yeah. cringing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. I think that was a good idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Taking yourself seriously is a big deal. Um, yeah. And so one of the words that you've used before is pitch, uh, pitching and, mm-hmm. and um, encouraging others to do that, um, which I'm a huge proponent of. Um, you know, you kind of have to put yourself out there. It's very scary. Uh, (laughs) uh, is there, what would you suggest someone do in order to get over the fear of rejection, um, when pitching, um, their business, business to someone, to a potential client? Well, you know, that's part of what makes pitching so great is that you're not 
getting on the phone with anyone or getting on a zoom call with anyone, unless they're interested in working with you, you know? And the thing is too, is that the way we teach pitching is very different from the way a lot of people pitch the way most people pitch, you know, the most, the way most people pitch is, Hey, I'm here. Do you need help with this? I'm here to, you know, and mass mass emails and just terrible. It's clear that they haven't taken any, they haven't done any research or anything like that. And it's all about what they want from me. Right. That is when, when someone pitches me as a business owner, it's all about what they want from me. So I immediately delete it. But the way that we teach our students to pitch is first and foremost to be a value. Yes. You know, to to do research on a company, each pitch gets gets research and should be individual and personal. Um, and yes, that does take a little while when you're first getting started, but it gets faster, I promise. Um, but, you know, the first thing you want to do is to do research on this company and then in your pitch actually convey enthusiasm, convey, you know, it doesn't have to be over the top many, many exclamation points, but convey what you like about the company, what they say or what they do or what they, something you found. Um, and then give them an idea, give them an idea for something that they could do. Um, something that they could do that would benefit their business, an idea for a project. Now you're not going to tell them how to do it, but you tell them what to do because they hire you for the how. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, you know, you say, hey, and by the way, I'm a copywriter. I would love to talk with this about you. (laughs) I would love to talk with you about this. Uh, Do you have time for a call next week? So it's very, there's nothing salesy about it. It's very low pressure and it's, it's friendly. You know, you are not coming into it going, I'm trying to get something out of you. You're coming into it saying, I have something to offer. If you would like that and I can help you with it, let me know. And that vibe is so totally different. You know, whereas most pitch emails get deleted or, um, you know, or or maybe even sometimes uh, nasty comments back, the pitches that our students send are people, people respond to them and they respond positively or they save them. We were just, uh, I just, we were in our Facebook group the other day and someone had sent a pitch email to a company a year ago and the company had saved it and just got back to her and wow. said, Hey, you know, I'm interested. I would love to talk more about more with you about copywriting or this project or whatever. And that's the thing is that when you, when you focus the pitch on, on the potential client and on what you can offer them and you do it in, in a friendly value-based way, it's, it's not something that you need to be nervous about, you know, any more than, um, I'm trying to think of, okay. Any more than, okay. Well, so think back to when we could actually like tap people on the shoulder, but, um, you know, say you were walking in the grocery store and the woman in front of you dropped her wallet out of her purse, you know, you're tapping her on the shoulder and saying, Oh, Hey, you dropped this. It's that same, like, Hey, I'm just, I'm just being friendly. You know, it's, it's, it is, it's just, it all comes back to connections again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, it, there's nothing pushy about it. And that's why pitching the right way uh, doesn't have to be scary. I mean, yes, the first couple you send out, you will be nervous and all that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, so many of our students get responses that say things like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for sending this. Or, you know, yeah. thank you for reaching out. And I mean, to be thanked, 
for a pitch email mm -hmm. is not something that you generally hear about in the, the freelancing community because we do it so differently. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's definitely a mindset shift right there. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, for many of my listeners, um, they're contemplating starting a business as well. And uh, they are not so sure about the time management side of things. Mm. Uh, so do you have any tips in that regard? Uh, is there a system that you use that helps you to be the most productive throughout the day? Uh, take us through your typical day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, actually, right now, it's not a typical day because we are crazy busy. Oh, my um, God, yes. But oh yes, right? Like, what happened? <laughs> January just exploded. Um, but typically, um, you know, I... I was someone who for a lot of years spent so much money and so much time researching and trying to find out how I could be super productive in the middle of the afternoon mm. because I always, always would hit like 1.30, 2 o'clock and I, it's like I was hit a brick wall, you know? And so I spent so much time thinking, what's wrong with me? Why do I need a supplement? Do I need like all kinds of stuff? And I finally came across something that said, look, you have... It was, it was actually a graph that showed how the natural energy dips for, for people at various times in the day. And I went, oh, okay, just stop fighting it. You know, mm. it's not natural for us to be all high energy the entire day long. That's how you burn out. Yes. So the, the biggest shift for me was to identify what times of the day I'm most focused and most creative. And I do my most important work then. So that, which is for me, like first thing in the morning, I mean, like 5am to, you know, like 1230, 1, 1.30. Mm -hmm. um, and then leave the, the less important stuff, the more administrative stuff to the middle of the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And then my energy sometimes picks up again, like now the evening hours, I can, <laughs> exactly. you might be able to tell I have a little bit more energy again. Um, but that shift alone made such a huge difference. Number one, in what I was able to get done, but also number two, in how I felt about myself as, as an entrepreneur and as a professional yeah. and all that stuff. Cause you hear all these stories about, I think it's maybe part of it is the, the kind of the, the bro entrepreneur mm -hmm. um, ethos, but the idea of like, I sleep two hours and I work <laughs> all day. Yes. And like, I mean, but also who wants to live like that? Okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I finally stopped beating myself up for not being super high energy and super focused all day long and learned to work with my body's natural rhythms. And it's mm -hmm. so much better for me. It's so much better for the work I do. And I'm just happier overall. That has been in terms of quote unquote productivity hacks yeah. um, to get back to the, the, the business bro uh, concept. <laughs> um, but that has made the biggest difference for me. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Uh, in terms of investments in your business, what would you say has been the best investment, the, the, the thing that has given you the best return on investment so far? Oh my God, people, mm. people getting help. You know, the funny thing is I think most entrepreneurs um, are perpetually thinking things like, I'm so exhausted. I can't do this all myself, but I have to wait until I'm earning more money to get this next person or to, yeah. to bring someone on to help me. And I will tell you, you will never get to that next level to make enough money to bring that person on. Mm -hmm 
before you bring them on. You know, you need that person to help you get to the next level. And quite frankly, every time I've brought someone on our team, I've done the same thing. I've been like, well, let me just wait because, you know, we're we're launching this or next month is going to be a bigger month. And and every time I go, oh, wait, I know how this works. I need to bring this person on so that, you know, it's, but I am so blessed to have such smart, um, passionate, uh, driven women. Yeah. Uh, and actually right now we're, we're all women that, that wasn't oh, nice. by design. Yeah. Right. It was, it wasn't by design, but, um, but they're a fantastic group of people and, um, they're just also smart and they, they have the same feeling about the business that I do. You know, we are so, so blessed, blessed yeah. to be able to do the work that we do, to be able to actually teach people to take control of their careers and, and decide what they want to do for a living and decide how much they want to make and decide mm-hmm. what their lives look like. Um, it's such a, it's such an, an honor and a responsibility. And, um, and my team gets that nice. and they care. And we all, you know, and we, we all, celebrate our students wins. And actually the cool thing too, is that it's really kind of, I I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't know. I would love, I would love to take credit for it, but I don't think I can. Um, I don't think it's a top-down thing, but the, um, our Facebook group too, like our students Mm. are fantastic people. They are so supportive and so helpful. And it's our Facebook group is a really fantastic group of people. Yeah. I, I am just, absolutely delighted with all of the people I get to work with on a daily basis. That's amazing. Thank Mm -hmm. you for sharing that. Um, So a lot of us are, we as professional women, uh, we have a hard time with the concept of balance. Mm -hmm. Uh, How has that been working out for you? How have you been able to juggle business life, personal life, uh, family, all of that? What, (laughs) What are some of the things that you've been doing to ensure that each side of your persona gets the attention that it needs? Oh, I feel like the smart thing for me to do would be to lie to you. <laughs> like, oh no, I'm totally balanced. I've got it all set. Don't worry about it, Sophia. I've got it down. Here's how to be a perfect businesswoman like me. No, 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 no. I mean, it's something we struggle with every day. Today, I was freaking exhausted, you know, looking at my screen going, I've got to get this done. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's, it's hard. And I think too, that, that it's something that we have to think about every day. Yes. And I think that it's something that is the funny thing is, is I think that women have, um, how to say this diplomatically. I feel like we just have more, maybe not more responsibilities than men, but we have more more mental load from those responsibilities, right? Like men can have kids, but, and, and there are plenty of wonderful fathers out there, but from what I have seen and experienced, it tends to be that, you know, men can be wonderful fathers and women can be wonderful mothers, but the wonderful mothers are also then totally aware of, okay, tomorrow is special shoes day at school. And Mm -hmm. then they also, and then we have to bring in cupcakes, but the cupcakes have to be gluten-free at school because this and It's just, you know, and I think that, I think that women have so much to think about all the time. And then we also beat ourselves up for not being balanced mm. and for not like embracing the feminine, yes. and, oh you know, my and, God. and practice self-care, <laughs> you know, a good friend of mine who is the, the 
creative director for a like a major major brand, multi billion dollar brand. Her kids were were home because there was a COVID scare, and I said, "Hey, how was your day today?" She said, "Well." I sat with, she sat with her older one, who's four. Uh, she said, well, I sat with the older one, um, muting and unmuting her so she could talk oh. to her teachers and her classmates. And she said, while the younger one, who's two, cried in the other room. And then I cried as well. And I was like, oh, honey. Oh, Whoa. yes. Yes. That's the thing is it's, this is such a crazy time right now. Yeah. I think we all just need to give ourselves some grace. And mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, I don't have kids. I'm not married. My, my, I am, I'm the support auntie, you know, I'm the one, call me when you need a hand. I'll bring (laughs) over the martinis. Um, you go take a nap. I'll, I'll take care of the tinies. Um, but no matter what, even if, even I'm experiencing rough days, you know, I don't have kids in it, but that's part of it too. Yeah. How you date during COVID. Um, Oh my God. Right. But, you know, I think we all just need to cut ourselves some slack. Like I, how many times you on Instagram and you, you're like, Oh God, Oh, I need to schedule more self-care. Like they give self scheduling more self-care stresses you out because you're not doing enough Mm self-care. Um, no, I think balance is something that, I mean, when you think about it, you're, if you are actually balancing, literally balancing, you're, you're constantly moving up and down just yes. a little bit. Like balance is not a static thing yeah. when you're literally balancing, whether I'm trying to think of something you would actually balance on. Um, yeah, I don't know, like a board on a log, which is a weird example, but like you're, you're constantly moving up and down just a little bit on both sides. You're never completely still. And I think that that's maybe more how we have to think about it is that sometimes you're going to be down a little bit more on one side and up a little bit more on the other. And it's just trying to keep an eye on it to make sure that you don't go too far in, in one direction, mm-hmm. but have it's so you, hard in, in your, um, in your date, the dating scene for you as a business owner, have you ever had to like, don't play your greatness in a, so in a way, or you've gotten to the point where you're like, this is me, this is who I am. And, you know, take it or leave it kind of thing. I think that something that is great about being 40 and above mm-hmm. is I care so much less about what other people think. Um, but they said that would happen at 30. It didn't really happen at 30, yeah. but at 40, I'm like, mm, yeah, I don't, I don't really care. Um, and that's actually, I think that that has been one of the lessons, one of the yeah. personal lessons for me uh, over the past several years. And, you know, in relationships I've been in was that I did that was part of the problem was that I did downplay who I was and I did, I wasn't true to, to how, how great I am. You know, I'm not saying I'm perfect by any means, but I'm great in a lot of ways. Um, and, and, you know, all women are, and I, have worked so hard to get where I am. Now I don't need to tell uh, tell someone that I'm dating exactly. what our business yeah. is grossing. Yeah. Frankly, exactly. it's none of his business anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've worked hard, and and my business is part of what what makes me interesting too. Yeah. Um, so no, I have no interest in downplaying what I do or downplaying how, how exciting my business is and how proud I am of the success we've seen and the things that we do. Um, and you know what, if some guy doesn't like it, then best of luck to him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. 
it's been an amazing conversation, Nikki, and I can't believe we're almost at the hour mark. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> well, time flies when you're yeah, having fun. Yes. Um, so my final question to you is what keeps you driven? What keeps me driven? Uh, there's just so much I want to do. So much I want to do. So much more I want to do with my business. Yeah. So much more I want to do with my life. Um, there's so many opportunities out there in the world. And I want to take advantage of, of as much of that as I can. I want to live a big, even extraordinary life as I can. And that's what keeps me driven. Yes. Thank you so much. As always, it was our pleasure to bring this show to you today. A free way to support our show is by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's a chance to tell us what you love about the show and it helps others discover it too. Until next time, stay driven, 